What's going on, FA Nation? We've made it to the playoffs. This is the NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin, and I am joined by the return of Matt Sells. He's all moved into his shiny new home. Matt, how's it going? It's good to have you back. It's going. It's a process. We're not fully moved in yet. I do have my new office, which the door on that office lasted about 45 minutes before the kids broke into my first meeting. So that was fantastic. Um, But no, it's going. I will apologize if you hear any construction equipment in the background. I'm having a fence put in at the moment. Um, So yeah, it's, you know, we're we're getting there. I'm all ready to go gear up for uh, Darlington, though, because I love this track. Yeah, this is a great track. Um... Brief breakdown of it. Um, this is they, they call this the egg, the lady in black, the Darlington stripe. It's got so many nicknames. Let's just do a quick breakdown. Tough to tame. Exactly. Uh, what are we looking at this week? Yeah, so it's a 1.336 mile lap. It's kind of an odd uh, number there. It's basically the same size as Nashville Super Speedway is now. Um, but it's an egg shape because one end of the track is narrower than the other end of the track because they when they built it, there was a fish pond they could not move. Said fish pond no longer exists, but they did not change the shape of the track. So uh, what that means is it's pretty tough on crew chiefs and engineers to set up the car correctly to handle uh, both ends of the track and get the balance right. And especially with no practice or qualifying again, um, we're just going to have to hope that they set it up basically the same way they did last time. Uh, And, uh, you know, I hope it's good to go. What tracks are you comparing Darlington to? I know I ask this almost every podcast, and we don't really have any good answers just because in terms of, like, the distance and the shape, it is kind of unique in its own. I mean, the trucks run Gateway, which is shaped kind of like it, but, like, the Xfinity and Cup don't run that don't run that track. I mean, are we just kind of focusing on, like, how drivers have performed in this package, or are we looking at track history and maybe one or two other tracks? Yeah, we can look at how they performed in this package. Remember, it's going to be the 750-horsepower package this weekend. Um, you know, we can look at what they did earlier this year, because, again, this is the second race here of the year. Though, keep in mind, it is a Sunday evening cup race. It doesn't go green till 6 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. So, um, you know, it's a later start. It's going to be a little cooler there. Um, they ran this one in the middle of a Sunday afternoon in May. As I recall, it was pretty toasty last time yeah. it rained down there in Darlington. Um, as for the tracks it compares to, I would say we could compare it to Homestead. I would say we could compare it to um, a little bit of Atlanta because of tire wear. I would say um, I'd even toss in there maybe Kansas because there's kind of multiple grooves you can do on this track. Not really a tire wear track again. <clears throat> Um, Homestead and Atlanta are probably the two best comparisons to it. Awesome. And, uh, this is the track or the race that they do every year where the paint schemes are kind of like throwbacks, right? Yes. This is the Southern 500. So, um, it's going to be the throwback weekend. Um, if I, if I'm correct, I don't think they did it for the Goodyear 400. I think they did it. I think they're doing it this weekend. Um, but yeah, Darlington is a good is a good. Uh, I really like it. It's a classic track. Been around. I think it might. This be- is a crown jewel, right? Yeah, it is a crown jewel race. Uh, this is either the only track or one of the only tracks to be on the schedule 
every year since like the third year of NASCAR. Martinsville's the only one that's been there since its inception. But, um, but yeah, it's it's you know we got playoffs on the line. So if the playoff drivers, so for those of you who might be new to NASCAR and don't a didn't know there were playoffs in NASCAR, there are. Uh, B, it's not just the 16 guys that made the playoffs that are going to be on the track. You're going to have a full field of, like, 37 guys. Just 16 of them are the only ones that can uh, race for the championship. So if one of the playoff drivers wins this weekend, they're into the next round. So rounds are three races each until we get to the championship, and then you have four drivers left for that final race. Um, so whoever, if a playoff driver wins this week, they're on to the next set of three. They're locked in. If somebody outside of the playoffs wins, then the playoff guys just get the points and then the points reshuffle and standings go as follows. So, um, all right. So the schedule this weekend, we have Xfinity on Saturday and then on Sunday, you get the double header with the trucks. And the cup race again at night. Um, my theory on the weird schedule is that they wanted the two playoff races run together. And then uh, I, because believe it or not, Xfinity still has three races left in their season. It's very weird. I don't know if it's ever been like this before, but that is the case. Um, not going to preview Xfinity or the truck series during the podcast. Um, Xfinity has a ton of PD. I can tell you that right now. Um, there will be full playbooks for both races. I'm actually going to try them have and have both out by Friday afternoon, only because I have a flight on Friday night and I don't feel like doing any work when I land. So with that said, Matt, let's just dive into the cup race, shall we? Yep, that works for me. Sweet. Uh, so we have 367 laps, which gives us over 250 Dominator points, accounting for... Uh, cautions, things of that nature. We're still looking at 240-ish Dominator points. It's a lot to go around. Is it safe to say this is a two-Dominator build, or are you still, if, if you're making 20 lineups, maybe you're dedicating five or six of those lineups to just one Dominator, one guy going out there and absolutely crushing it? Or, or are most or all of your builds going to be two-Dom? Um, most are probably going to be two-Doms. Although, I do have to say, in May, we saw one Dominator, Martin Truex Jr., won this race in May, led 248 uh, laps. So, that's quite a lot. Keep in mind, that race was also shorter. It's only, um, you know, 400-mile race, so it was shorter by 100 miles, less laps. Uh, guy led 248. The next closest, in terms of laps led, were two guys that led 10 laps apiece. So, yeah, it's possible that you have a runaway driver. Um, not likely. Um, so, yeah, I would I would say that we can focus more on two Dominators um, than just one Dominator. Are there any teams in particular that you're looking at? I know when we talk about the 750 horsepower package, we talk about JGR. You just mentioned that Martin Truex Jr. Uh, dominated the spring race. But since then, he's kind of just had a ho-hum type of season. <clears throat> um, I know, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Denny Hamlin, I think, won one of the two races here last year. Uh, there was that controversial finish. I, I think it was the race he won where there was that controversial finish uh, where Chase Elliott wrecked, um, and then Kevin Harvick came, and he won the race in the playoffs last year. But right. as far as JGR goes, are they all in play this week? Yeah, I would say so. This tends to be where they shine. Um, 
obviously Truex won it in the uh, spring this year. Hamlin won it in the spring last year. Um, even go back to 2019, Eric Jones was with JGR, won this race um, in 2019. Denny Hamlin's won it in 2017. Truex, 2016. Even Carl Edwards, who was a JGR guy, won it in 2015. So, um, yeah, they do do pretty well uh, at this track. This this just seems to be their bread and butter. Uh, Kyle Busch has also looked very, very good in this package this year. We've been talking about how he's been finding more speed. A lot of it's come in the 750-horsepower package, so... Um, JGR is basically all in play this week. Um, Denny Hamlin has the leg up in terms of laps led. He's starting second. Um, amongst, I will say, amongst the JGR guys, he has the leg up because uh, obviously there's some there's, uh, some pretty fast Hendrick cars that are four, five, six. Um, but yeah, I would there. So yes, JGR is all in play. Uh, what's your approach with Penske this week? Um, Brad Kozlowski did an interview earlier this week, and he talked about how he left uh, the Penske warehouse and talked about how it was probably the last time he's walking out of there, so it was kind of a bittersweet moment for him because um, he doesn't think he might he'll end up back there again this year. Overall, Kozlowski and Logano, uh, I think Logano's only win this year was on Bristol Dirt, and other than that, it's kind of just been... A forgettable season for those two, but we do have Ryan Blaney who's shown immense speed and he's won the last two races heading into the playoffs. Yeah, but then again, you flip it around and you go, okay, well, he's won two races in a row. Correct. But he still hasn't shown full out speed in the 750 horsepower package. Right? The two races he's won, one was Daytona, which was an absolute uh, just chaos fest as we knew Daytona was going to be. The other one was Michigan, which he'd done well at before, and that's a 550-horsepower package and whatnot. Meanwhile, all of Joey Logano's top 10s have come in this 750-horsepower package so far. And again, Kislowski, you can't count him out, but you can't count on him, right? That's kind of how it goes with Kislowski. So um, I will say Blaney is perfectly fine for GPPs. I'm looking at playing Blaney in cash. He's on the pole. So, if we assume that the speed shows up again, we've got a lapse-led contender uh, on our hands. But there's zero PD there. Um, Do you you think Hamlin gets the lead out of the gate? I think Blaney may lead up until the comp caution. Mm -hmm. And then we'll have to see how pitch strategy works and whose car needs adjustments and who gets the jump on the... the, um, on whatnot, and who's smart enough to use the choose rule to their advantage. Um, I'm glad you brought up pit strategy. Would you say that Darlington uh, is one of those tracks where track position is always important, especially in the third stage? Would you say at a track like Darlington with, you know, both sides of the track, different turning radius, would you say a track position is more important than ever uh, at a track like Darlington? Yeah, I generally think it's it's more important on the shorter intermediates, um, like the one mile and one and a third mile tracks. Um, just because lap times get clicked off so fast, it's hard to make up ground um, based on pit strategy and and you know there's going to be guys that bank on cautions coming out and play that to their advantage. There always are. There always will be. Um, but the other interesting thing is you've got 
the guys who are high in points coming into the playoffs versus the guys who are below the cut line are going to treat the end of this race completely differently. Because the guys that are able to coast through probably call a conservative race. Mm-hmm. The guys that are going to need a win in the next three races to keep going are not going to call a conservative race. They're going to be the ones that pull out the, we're going to run till the car runs dry and hope a caution comes out strategy. Now, who might that be? Would that be like Tyler Reddick? Yeah, um, it's going to be the guys who are 13th through 16th and off the top of my head, I don't have that uh, the standings up. Let me go ahead and pull them up here. Um, but, you know, it was like a similar strategy to what um, Austin Dillon tried to pull off um, uh, last week at Daytona when he had the battery issue, and they knew they had the battery issue, and they weren't going to be able to make up ground well enough. Right. Well, they just stayed out and hoped the battery would last a lot. Now, obviously, it didn't work out for him because he wound up up on the banking where the middle of his car wasn't even touching the ground. Um, but yeah, McDowell is right now 13th. Bell is tied with McDowell um, in terms of points, but Bell is listed as 12th. And you've got Almirola is 14th, Reddick is 15th, <clears throat> and Kevin Harvick is 16th. Um, so, I mean, I will say this there's not a massive gap between, like, Larson's at 25 and 2,052 points, and Harvick's at 2,002. 50 points isn't terrible. Like, if if there's a couple of bad races in there, that's not that big of a span for, you know, a guy like uh, Larson or Blaney or whoever to, you know, fall down a little bit. Who are some drivers that just based on track history that we can look at here? Um, whether uh, we've already touched on JGR and, and, and Denny Hamlin. Um, what about Kevin Harvick? He doesn't have a win this year. Stuart Haas Racing collectively collectively only has one, and that was from Eric Almarola. Um, do we see Kevin Harvick possibly get a win here? Is this his best shot to possibly win and move on to the next round? Um, I, you know, I, I still have a pretty hard time trying to figure out what to make of Kevin Harvick this year. Because everything pointed to him having just a great season coming into the year. He was already dominating with no practice and no qualifying. And then all of a sudden he lays an egg. Now, based on track history, yes, he's prohibitively the best driver on the track. In the last five races here, he's got an average finish of 3.0. The only one that beats him is Kyle Larson at 2.0, but he's only run two races. So not enough of a sample size to really say Larson's better but that's still impressive he's finished second both times um you know harvick's got a couple of wins here in the last five races um so he does have the track history to look good but then again he also had the track history at michigan to look good and that did not go well so you know it's kind of a crapshoot with kevin harvick right now um, i would expect him to show up and do do better than he has because he tends to be a guy that shows up in the playoffs and performs well. Um, and he knows he needs to because he's 16th in the standings coming into mm-hmm. the playoffs. Like, would we have ever guessed that Harvick would be 16th in the standings? No, it's a little surprising. I mean, as dominant as he was last year, I mean, the scoring still 
be, I remember we got into a pretty passionate debate about this towards the end of last year because I felt like based right. on the season that Kevin Arvick had, he probably should have just like automatically qualified for the championship race in Phoenix. But, you know, he won like seven, eight or nine races last year and he didn't even make the championship four in Phoenix. But he did start to slow down and struggle in the last five, six, four, five or six races of the season. Um, so it's, it's not even really this year. It kind of started in the playoffs last year. That's true. Cause he did, he did. We talked about the fact <clears> that he only had one top 10 in like the last six races yeah. of last year. And that's what did him in. Um, you know, this year again, hasn't really been the best for him. And coming into this, he's got three straight finishes of either 14th or 15th. So I'm looking great for him. All right. Yeah. No. And if we're curious what he did earlier this year, he started second, finished sixth. Um, if we're looking at the starting order, we're seeing some guys that could very well present some nice PD, and they're not necessarily priced terribly either. Uh, we're looking at Cole Custer starting 31st. Matt Benedetto is 30th. Stenhouse is starting 29th. Chris Busher is even starting 34th. Uh, Ross Chastain, who can go out and get a top 10, top 12 any week, he is starting 23rd. Are there any drivers uh, that look like obvious PD plays that you maybe want to fade? Maybe like younger drivers, possibly? Yeah. Um, like a guy like Corey LaJoy, I may not play starting 25th. I think that's a scotch too high for him to start to really hit. I mean, you know, he's he's good, but like... There's a point at which it becomes less than positive returns from him, right? And historically at Darlington, he's not been great. Um, he did finish 22nd here last time out. But again, starting 25th, finishing 22nd doesn't really get you uh, much. So um, I will say he's 5,500. I'm not opposed to the play in GPPs, but he's not a main guy that I'm looking at this week. Um, yeah, Ryan Newman, not a PD play this week. He's starting too high for me. Huh. That seems to be the case. Um, do you think that maybe you do need to possibly, just because there are so many options starting outside the top 20, whether it's Austin Dillon, Eric Jones, Chastain, um, Chase Briscoe, who I think has done well in this package, but I don't really know if I want to play him this week starting P24. Although Darlington delivers some of the best finishes you could ever see, and you should all really go back and watch last year's Xfinity finish between him and Kyle Busch. It was phenomenal. Um, but I'm not sure I want to play Briscoe this week, but at the same time, there's still Suarez, Stenhouse, Benedetto, Custer, even Alfredo and Busher. I'd like to play. So with so many guys offering PD, do you even have to play these cheaper drivers that are starting in the teens? No, not really. I mean, I was just going to mention Michael McDowell. You don't really have to play 30 15th. Yeah, 15th, and you just assume he goes backward. Yeah, Bubba Wallace at 17th is probably about where he's going to finish, I would imagine. Um, Ryan Priest at 18th, I'm not touching. Just not that. And there's so no way you play Justin Haley. Where... What? There's no way you play Justin Haley starting 20th. No. Yeah. No. It just seems like too easy of a slate to read at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be the tricky part about this slate is going to be the ways you differentiate yourself because everybody's going to be on the same people. Exactly. Right? Like, 
doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out okay these are these are some interesting names they're starting further back now let's build around some of the top guys with a shot at leading laps and then throw in one guy who might be the slate breaker and differentiate yourself it's basically the strategy for this week another guy that i'm really torn about is kurt bush starting third starting third 8100 though yeah right so like is the tease there for him to go out and beat blaney and hamlin and go lead some laps knowing that he has chase elliott alex bowman and kyle larson behind him like i mean he's coming off some really good news this week because it it was announced that he's going to the 45 next year for 23xi they're officially expanding to a two-car team yeah and by the way, his team got to leak the fact that the numbers are shifting on NASCARs next year. <laughs> right. And so the numbers are sliding forward. So he got to and he's that. And he's talked about this week, you know, he's talked about how this is, you know, CGR's last year, how he really wants to go out on as much of a high note as possible, get a few wins. If he can get in the championship four, great. I don't think he will. But, it, you know, he's definitely motivated to go out and at least get this team another win. Um, it's kind of a swan song. Um, how has he done here historically? So Kurt Busch historically at Darlington has been okay. Not spectacular. He's got three top tens in the last five races here. Um, none of them, only one of them was a top five in the last five races. That was, uh, he finished third and to finish third, he started 22nd. So, um, you know, he's really basically average to finish around where he started. Now, averages get set in multiple different ways, so we can take that for what it is. But there's just not, like, the depth of high finishes for him that warrant believing that he can stick in the top five all night, which is basically what you want him to do. Mm -hmm. If he's not going to lead laps, he's got to stay in the top five to hit value. It's been pretty fast lately. It's tough. I mean, do you think he stays in the top five with Blaney, Hamlin, Elliott, Bowman, Larson, Truex, Logano, Kyle Busch, even Byron starting behind him? No, but it's one of those things where it's like like anything could happen. Oh, I mean, for if you sure. Just, That's why they yeah. run the races. No, I know. But, like, if you just look at it, it's like even his DK resume this year, like, it's he's had some good – like, the Atlanta race was outstanding. He was phenomenal. Yeah, which is why I bet him at 3,300. It was uh-huh. 3,300. But even then, it's just like a lot of his results are just kind of mediocre and a couple top fives, plenty of top tens. But aside from the, the Atlanta race, it's like he doesn't really dominate. But I will say that he's contrarian enough, and I assume ownership will be low enough where I probably want to be a little bit higher than the field. Yeah. So I'm noticing that the bigger points days for Kurt tend to come from when he's starting in the mid-teens and then finishes better than that. Like, if you're getting him starting in the top 10, he hasn't really moved up. I mean, aside from, again, the Atlanta race, which was... So basically what you're saying is that when he starts this high, he just goes back. Well, I'm not saying he goes back. I'm just saying he doesn't really do much, right? Like, at Pocono, he started eighth, finished sixth. Okay. At Atlanta, he obviously started eighth, finished first. We know about that race. That was great. Uh, Foxwoods, he started fourth, finished 16th. Firekeepers, which is Michigan, started sixth, finished fourth. 
Last week at Daytona, started eighth, finished thirteenth, which is impressive given the craziness that that race was. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of how I feel about Kurt Busch this week. Um, what's your approach with bankroll this week? Um, typically around this time of year, we see the contest diminish. I'm already seeing it with truck and Xfinity. I'm not really playing cash for either contest. I'm basically just playing the happy hour. I mean, even the $12 single entry this week for trucks, it's usually, um, it's usually, you know, $12 single entry and it's a thousand to first, but this week it, it goes down to 300. This happens every year as NFL approaches. Um, do yep. you take a softer approach with your bankroll? Do you maybe go more cash game heavy? How does your strategy differentiate as we get to the end of the year? So this week, so in the playoffs, you've got to take advantage of the more standardized tracks that they run. And we can start splitting it a little bit better between cash and GPP, um, you know, play kind of a PD format for cash, play mostly PD for GPP, but then you got to get the guys that finish high and lead a bunch of laps for GPP. So for bankroll management, I'm going to be playing lighter. Um, the contest sizes just don't warrant playing as heavy as we previously have. And for God's sakes, don't be trapped by overlay. Don't put in more entries because there's entries to be put in. And yes, this is a subtext to my co-host here. Don't get trapped by overlay. It's there for a reason. Just be happy with the better odds of winning. And I normally only fall for overlay when somebody points out the overlay. Yeah, well, I'm telling you there's going to be overlay. Potentially not this weekend because NFL doesn't start until Thursday of next week. Yeah. But a lot of people, it is a holiday weekend. There's a lot of people that go away for a three-day weekend before, you know, kids start school or their kids are getting ready for school, so they're in that mode. So they're just going to, you know, take the week off essentially from sports. Um, so... Just play, don't, I, I would not use this time to go, oh, the contests are smaller, less people are playing. Know that the people that are playing are all of the ones that have subscribed to content sites yeah. and love NASCAR. They're the not people not the, playing are just the casual fans. That are they're taking. not the average Joes that have been playing all season. Yeah. These are the, the sharks. So it's, while there's overlay, it's not necessarily easier to win the money. So... Don't go nuts. Keep playing within your means. If you have a great payday, great. Pocket it and keep playing the rest of it. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll basically wrap it up. Apologies for the shorter podcast this week, uh, but be on the lookout for the playbooks for all three races. I actually have my betting articles already done. I will post them later Thursday evening. Special. Well, I've been working from home all week, and so I've had extra time to kind of jump on a lot of my assignments and get them done. Um, I'll try to have both of my playbooks out by Friday afternoon. Um, and as always, be on the lookout for Matt's great content as well. Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.